Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Oh, what a night. Watching Tottenham on a Tuesday Hello everyone and welcome back to Oh What A Night. Uh, as you'll notice, our, our captain leader legend Ben Haynes has, has gone on holiday for uh, for a week to Greece to get away from, from all the chaos and, and just leave us with, with a lovely result. And today I'm joined by Sean Walsh, Jude Tomerfield and Dan Kilpatrick. Lads, how are we all? All the best. Very good yesterday. Just mm. so excellent, mate. <laughs> what a what a great weekend of the Barclays. Sean, what was yeah. your favorite moment of uh, of the weekend? You know, I obviously us winning is really good and it came mm. from just this really unexpected thing, like no one really gave us a chance. But I do but I think my highlight was when the Spurs fans about the 87th, 88th minute were singing are you watching Harry Kane? <laughs> I was like, look, we have, not, we have not had that kind of togetherness at the club in a long time. Yeah. And it was nice to see us uniting against, well, yeah. I guess. Our biggest it, ever it, yeah. One yes. of our greatest yeah. ever yeah. players. Yeah. 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 You know, Spurs, that is This is what football is about. When people say the word Spursy, that's the sort of thing I think of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I was, I was, I'm quite surprised you picked something to do with our match and not Eric, your... your your captain lead legend, Eric Lamella, going off on his severe debut. Yeah, got a brace on his debut. Good for mm. him. Like I, I, I support him more than I support Spurs. I think that's well documented by now. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, but you know, I, I, I can only keep so much of an eye on La Liga right now. I mean, I was surprised that... Um, I thought you were going to say about them Arsenal losing on Friday night, which is also but yeah, really, I was going to really say good content. Huge that was a really great way to start the that weekend. Was really good content, yeah, absolutely huge so weekend for your personal brand. Sure. Yes, yeah. <laughs> 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 I need to sell my stock now. It's never going to be higher than this. Um, okay, brilliant. So what we'll do today, we'll go over the the good, the bad, the ugly, and the beautiful from uh, yesterday's game, um, and then we might just touch on the game on Thursday, although um, it does seem like the game on Thursday is... Uh, well, anyway, we'll cover it as we get to it. Right. Okay. So we'll start with the good. Jude, I'm coming to you first, mate. What what, what did you think was good about yesterday? What what, what really uh, what really got you going? Uh, Jewel of the Fates just before the game, probably. You know, Star Wars blaring out in the, around all four corners. It was awesome. It was just lovely for, for football to be back. Um, yeah. one particular Not a sandstorm in sight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was wondering if they bring that out again as yeah. well, but no, it's probably probably best left in the past. That actually, yeah. cheering. Um, one thing or one or one player, they it was it was also incredible. But I think, like straight off the top of my head, Tanganga was on a mad one for the mm. whole game, and was just an absolute unit at right back. And mm. like the only part when we when we went ahead. 
Um, I was I was weirdly sort of calm and thought, well, these boys have played really well for the whole game. It was only at like, this isn't just a slag off Matt Doherty needlessly. It was only when Tanganga went off mm-hmm. and suddenly we had a Matt Doherty who hadn't done particularly well last season. I sort of got the yips a little bit and started thinking this this could go wrong at any minute now. <laughs> what did um, but what, what did you make of that? That that him being substituted off. What, what were your thoughts? Um, I'm I'm not sure. I mean, he's he's a little bit injury prone, isn't he? So I don't know if he'd he'd taken a little whack at some point, or if he'd just given so much up to that point that a change just um would would have been nice and refreshing, but. Um, I wasn't... Nuno said afterwards that him and Skip obviously came into pre-season with injuries mm. so it may well have been that they both yeah, were probably... finished last season with quite bad injuries didn't they so I, th- I think he was alluding to the fact that they need to be careful with both of them yeah I, I, I sort of put my my tinfoil hat on I, I think it may be because he had such a brilliant game that Nuno didn't want the mistake to fall on his shoulders yeah, well, I, I just, I just thought if if he gives away, so, so City freshened up the left side, right? They changed everything on the left side to try and. I see what you mean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think it, I, I genuinely believe that there was a thought of if if he now gives away the penalty, this could really damage what has been an unbelievable performance, Jude. As you said, like every from the first minute, that tackle on Sterling, I think fifty seconds in. I mean, it set, mm. it set the tone, didn't it? But it was huge. And then one of those new new age Premier League tackles that hopefully we'll see a lot more of uh, this season. Okay, so very quick break of proceedings here to tell you that we, the Oh What A Night podcast team, are now brought to you in association with Manscaped, helping you to keep all things down south nice and well pruned with Manscaped's new lawnmower 4.0. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and keep your delicates in good nick by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code 90min20. There was genuinely a moment, sorry to interrupt, where he kind of lifted the whole crowd. It was probably um, shortly after City's good opening, so maybe it was 10 or 11 minutes in, and the the initial atmosphere had just gone a bit flat, and he had that really fiery tussle with Sterling, and it was kind of handbags on the ball, and then he he got away with Sterling, lost the ball, and the referee came back for the free kick, and it like really lifted the whole stadium, and then the South Stand started singing, he's one of our own, and it it actually was, felt like quite a big moment, because City had started as if it was going to be another game where it was like attack against the fence. Yeah. But then the difference was, you know, Spurs just kept snapping into tackles and, and Tanganga really embodied that. So mm. he was really important in lifting the crowd, I thought. Mm. Sean, were you impressed? Tanganga? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I think when you... Yeah, if, um, if you look at the way that City lined up, there, so they had Greenish on, on like left kind of half space in midfield, Mm. Grealish on the I'm uh, not Grealish, I'm Sterling on the left wing and you know that when Pep saw the Spurs lineup he sees Tanganga he's just like okay we're just going to funnel the ball down this left side and we're going to get at him get at, get, get at him hopefully he'll get booking at the opening exchanges and that'll make it hard for him but we're just going to we're going to use about 150 million pounds worth of talent to bully this homegrown right back and that's just not what happened it was the other way around he just shut them down all afternoon and it's really funny that City had what about 150 mils worth in fullbacks alone in their squad. And the best player on the pitch was the 
homegrown talent who didn't really have a lot of hype. There's just he's just very like kind of happy to be there. Yeah. Very, very like I know like there's so there's a lot of fanfare about like, Skip coming back and there was a lot of focus on him. But Tanganga, whenever he's played for Spurs, I think he's been he hasn't ever looked lost or out of his depth or anything. I think that's real credit to him. So I'm really glad now that he had that kind of good performance. I didn't, maybe we still need a bit of cover at right back. I'm not sure about Doherty and Ori might be off, but I've, I wouldn't be against, I wouldn't like have a look at a team sheet for a while and think, oh, well, Tanganga right back, we're a bit screwed here. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right. He's definitely justified um, staying at Tottenham. I don't think, I don't think yes, there's yeah. any reason now to let him go out on that loan. Um, for me, one of those kids that you, you just you have to stand by them and, and let them make a couple of mistakes, but but play in the team and and earn their stripes. And what he did yesterday was he proved that against two of the hottest talents in the Premier League, he can hold his own on, in one-on-one situations, which is no easy feat at all. Um, and, and he and he also showed a masterclass on how to deal with Raheem Sterling. You cannot give him a yard of space. You can't let him turn. And he didn't. And he and he was lucky not to get booked. That's you know we can look at that. It, <laughs> it doesn't take a genius to say that. Yeah, he was lucky not to get booked. But then he sort of reined in, but maintained the intensity, which is quite difficult. And so he deserves a, a huge amount of credit. Um, and. Yeah, and and one for the future, and and as you said, Sean, yeah, that probably right back position is is one where it's still up in the air if Doherty is going to stay or if um if um Aurea is going to move on. Apparently, there was a deal for Aurea that uh, that has fallen through because of something to do with the African Cup of Nations. I don't know. Can do either of you know any, any more about that? Oh, no, so who knows? But but yes, you're the right back uh, position that's up for grabs and, and he really put up a, a performance that, that said, maybe I can, maybe I can have that. Um, Jude, I want to talk to you about Lucas Moura. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Because, let's have a chat. <laughs> I think, I think some people will say Lucas Moura has been underused in this first team and lots of people were happy for him to be moved on uh, this summer. Um, but he's been brilliant in preseason and he's, and he's hit the ground running yesterday. Were you impressed with his performance? Oh yeah, I mean he was he was awesome as well. Um, as part of that that front three, who like genuinely looked electric on the break, just whenever whenever the chance sort of presented itself. I'm not I'm, I can't remember if he had too many proper like crossing opportunities or shooting opportunities. He had that one that was cleared off the line, didn't he? Quite early, mm. which was like I was almost like impressed that he actually got it on target because it was falling from about I don't know where the skywalk was <laughs> above the stadium, and he managed to get his, get his head over the top of the ball. Um, but yeah, he was he was magnificent throughout the whole game. Um, just always happy to to take the take the ball and 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 run at people. And I think it was quite early on we had like Son had a couple of opportunities to sort of square a player up and run at him and didn't quite don't know if he wasn't backing himself or he just thought the chance wasn't there. Mm-hmm. But Lucas was looking to do it like every time uh, he got on the ball. And uh, yeah, for someone who we didn't really think would play all to, all to that much maybe a few months ago this season mm. he's been brilliant and um you know what his, his he has a he has a wicked jump on him as well he really like, does. he was winning he yeah, was winning yeah. all the flick odds mm. he's like what like maybe like five eight five nine but he was like jumping up against like Nathanake and, and Mendy and just winning everything and like 
when he was winning those, all of a sudden we were like, Son was on the end of it and we were getting on the break and um, he, he was brilliant as well. And he mm. rattled Jack Grealish as well. Which was <laughs> he really did. Great, yeah. great fun. Really Jack did. Grealish going up to him and saying, you're diving, mate. Yeah. yeah it was a bit of irony. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It really was. Yeah. He was really... Do you think that... Do you think that we need to maybe retroactively kind of look at Lucas Spurs' career? Because yeah. I know, you know, under Mourinho, like he was one of those players where you'd see him in like, the lineup every week and you think, oh God, not him again. But uh, and Mourinho, like he, like Lucas was one of Mourinho's favourites. Let's not get it twisted. Mm. But Lucas under Poch was a really good and useful player. I mean, in his only full season under Poch, what, 18, 19, he, I think he hit double figures of goals in the league alone. Obviously at the Ajax game as well. Mm. Um, and now with his life under Nuno it seems to be quite integral to our attack and our counter-attack and he seems to be just a bit more willing to get his head up when he's on the ball it seems so, that was the thing it, though isn't it, it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah yeah. It seems he, ne- like... he always never really seemed like he knew when to let the ball go mm. and all of a sudden he just ran into a cul-de-sac and that was sort of his game really he'd like attempt 10 dribbles a game and lose 6 or 7 of them like just running into no man's land he seems like the sort of player who's really going to uh, benefit, though, from from a, a lot of belief. It, you know, some players need an arm around the shoulder and being told, like, "No, you are important. You're you're the sort of player we need." And Nuno very early on has set his stall out and said, "This guy is important for us. I want him to be integral to our plans." And even from the four games, albeit against some lesser opposition, the the, the game against Arsenal and the game against Manchester City, he, he was brilliant. And yesterday, he was so integral shifting the play from our half into City's half and then restarting again. And that's where him, Deli Ali, Bergvine and Son were just brilliant yesterday. There was something about like that front four where it was like, I can't really pinpoint what it is, but it, did, it felt a bit like because of like all the kind of build up about Kane and stuff, like there was so much around it. It was almost kind of like they played with a lot of confidence. It was almost like saying to the world, like you forgot about us, like mm. we're still here, mm. particularly Particularly Delhi because Delhi was just frozen out last year for no real good reason. Yeah, and when he did play, he was good, and people forget that. Um, Bergwijn as well. He started last season a lot, and then just kind of got dropped after Christmas. But I think you're right. I think I think Nuno is the kind of guy. Certainly, the way he speaks to the media, like he seems like a guy who kind of radiates this kind of confidence. He he believes in his players. He believes in the squad. And yeah, it's just about finding the right person to unlock it and. If, if we have more games like yesterday, then we'll go a long way. Mm. Absolutely. I, t- I mean, I think one thing that we should definitely stick in the good section here is is the fact that a defence that six sort of six months ago was called un you know untrainable, unhealthy, you know, unhelpful, broke, broken. These players aren't good enough for the club. Blah blah blah. A lot of talk. Well, they've just turned out Eric Dyer. And Davinson Sanchez, uh, Sergio Reguilon and Tanganga have just kept a clean sheet against the reigning champions. And and that deserves credit, although Spurs seem to have Man City's number somehow, at home at least. That still deserves a lot of credit because there was a lot more control <laughs> yesterday than in previous previous games. And, and the defensive line was much higher and the aggression in which they approached their defensive actions was was much more intense as well. Um, particularly Davinson Sanchez, who apparently, did, I, I think it was an athletic piece that, that said he's come back from the Copa America with a new sort of 
confidence, um, which would be huge. Do, do you do you think he still has a career at the club, Sean? I think so. Um, I, I think just by virtue of where we are in the window now, I think it'd be very hard to kind of get, get another. I think we're in the hunt for another sentiment back anyway, but I think it'd be very hard to kind of get two in and kind of sell Sanchez. But he is obviously a useful player. Like, obviously, he hasn't hit the heights since his first season. He will still have some hairy games where you're just thinking, oh my God, this guy's really erratic. But yesterday, he did show, like, I don't. I think the only moment in the match or game between Dyer and Sanchez where I thought, oh God, what is this? Is when I think it was about the fifth minute and Dyer tried a diagonal and it went straight out for a throw. But apart, <laughs> yeah. but apart from but apart, that was the only time. That was the only time I was I was ever I ever felt in danger. I felt bad about how ropey our back line might have been. They mm. really they really impressed. And I think I do think that sometimes when a new manager comes in, obviously there's some dead weight we got to clear and we've done that to a little bit of an extent. Um, but I think there is a desire to kind of, let's see the squad under the hands of someone who actually coaches, because I think the Mourinho stint now, I think we could just look at it as like a, it's like a black hole almost. almost. <laughs> like, like just there's, we have no idea what the hell was even going on at times. Like, mm. and I think, you look at the defense Nuno had at Wolves. I don't think there were many major signings in that defense. Like he, I think Bolli, Willy Bolly and Connor Cody were there right from the start in the championship. Roman Sias as well, yeah. and they're all still there now. And they're all kind of Premier League level players. Connor Cody was probably a, a penalty shoot away from getting a knighthood or something. Mm. Like, <laughs> like, like these are the kind of margin talk about. These are the kind of manager Nuno is. He, he we said before. Um, I think when we were first pointed about how. In Valencia, he made Skodra Mustafi and Nicolas Otamendi look really good. Mm. So maybe maybe he's the centre-back whisperer in the way that Poch was the full-back whisperer. Mm. Well, God, I wouldn't mind that, to be honest. Yeah, and, and I think, be, yeah. It'd be really nice, wouldn't it? We've, we've been, <laughs> we have been hypercritical of, of uh, Dyer and Sanchez in the last couple, of, and in last year especially, but I think fundamentally something was broken for the last 12 months and it doesn't take a genius to sort of see that. Um Ollie Skip had a bit of a, a ropey first five, maybe looked like a bit of a deer in the headlights, lost the ball in some quite dangerous areas, but then really, really settled into the game. And sort of, I, I described him uh, earlier as Hoy, if Hoybier's the son, then he's just orbiting Hoybier because that seemed to be his whole game was he was just cleaning up everything that was around Hoybier. And it, it, the energy that he showed was just incredible. And he covered, so, he covered a lot of ground and, did, did the hard hard graft and uh, Jude were you impressed with that duo and do you think that's something that Spurs should persevere with I think it gives them a really solid grounding to then establish themselves in in the game moving a bit forward um because yeah the first 15 20 minutes or so it was it was looking pretty pretty ropey I have to say because Skip was sort of getting danced past and Hoybier sort of the same you're thinking they're, they're getting around these fellas a little too easily. And then they sort of managed to, to just sort of win a few of those loose balls and get a few interceptions. And I think the, the confidence just sort of, especially for Skip, because like he's sort of been dropped into Spurs games here and there, but hasn't really ever had a proper run in um in those games. But he was he was consistently just mopping up things in and around the area. 
Um, to be to be honest, Deli Ali was like the same as well. Mm. I mean, I don't think we really saw too much from an attacking perspective from Deli, just because he was getting through so much work and covering so much ground alongside those two. But I wouldn't want to like dismiss that and just go straight to Skip and Hoiberg. But those two were really, really excellent as well. No, I think and you're right. We shouldn't. We should He wrote. He ran something ridiculous, didn't he? It was like it was 11, like 11k. Yeah, 11k. 11K. And, and he was was he substituted? He was substituted, right? I don't think he was. No, no he wasn't substituted. Either way, Bergvine, Tanganga, and Hoy. I think uh, Hoybier came off at the very last minute, didn't he? Yeah. He, for Romero. For Romero yeah. One of the yeah. biggest. We three at the back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of the biggest fallacies in the game is that Deli Ali doesn't do his running or is lazy. It's just a complete nonsense, isn't it? So. I'm, I mean, I, I loved that Deli. That Deli we saw yesterday is the, is the one that. I'd love to see more of, and and hopefully, Nuno's the guy who can who can get that out of him. That sort of couple yeah, of huge been, tackles. Yeah, if he's been bulking up and everything as well, mm. you would hope he'd be a proper a proper presence in that in that Spurs midfield because it was more of like a four three three at times for mm. the most part, and just when they could get the ball up to the to the top three, they were they were breaking. But Ali was pretty much sort of right in there, um, doing as much dirty work as the other. I think he got three or four tackles in and mm. was back clearing the balls as well. I think he got sold down the river by like one Mares chop on the right hand side. Uh, yeah. The big yeah. dive. He absolutely <laughs> flew into it. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited for that, that midfield three as well. And if Lacelso comes in, they can rotate him and him in and out of there as well. That'd be, that'd be excellent too. Yeah. It's, it's nice to be at like at 75 minutes. I was looking at the bench and I was like, Brian, Brian Kiel gives you a, uh, a, a different option. Um, and then Lo Celso, again, gives you another option. There, there is depth. I think, you know, there's, we were sort of beaten into the idea that these, there's no players and there's no way Spurs can possibly win football matches, but it's just not true at all, is it? There's, there's so much talent in this squad. It's just about finding a way to get them all on the pitch or to at least find a way so you can inter- make them interchangeable and not lose the fluidity. Um, right, we've done a lot of good, uh, and I don't want to linger on a bad because I don't think there really is much bad. But I think one thing that most Spurs fans would admit is that the rhetoric around the club this summer and generally in the last few weeks has been bad. And I think what Spurs did yesterday was a very good bit of pageantry before the game, which the club tend to do very well, and and then putting the performance to match it as well. And so, Dan, do you think that's sort of, do you think that's changed the feeling around the club? Do you, do you, do you think that's the sort of way to deal with that sort of thing? Were you impressed? Yeah, I, I think it, yesterday felt more than just three points. It felt bigger than a win for a lot of reasons. I think, you know, the context of Nuno coming in was important. The fact that he was a pretty underwhelming appointment after such a chaotic managerial search. And I think a lot of fans were, just not particularly excited by him really um and perhaps they didn't know a huge amount about him because you know he's he's not a a hugely kind of out there public figure even though he's been the Premier League for for three seasons um and I think you know that performance and and that result will immediately have got a lot of fans on side and that that have been really pressed impressed with the way the team was kind of set up and the way they played um and I think you know as as sort of many people have said today and and said yesterday as well it just felt bigger than the win in that it came after such a crap couple of years for the club. Um, you know, it's been two years really of just kind of 
rudderless uh, performances, you know, no plan, um, no energy, no commitment, no fight, no desire, just too often just kind of existing. And I think, you know, fair enough that the Tuna win over for Man City over Mourinho, um, you know, was was a was a pretty good performance, and perhaps you know the the kind of standout result of, of his tenure. But you know, if you go back to the the kind of last one nil when it was just so fortuitous and Spurs were completely under the cosh from from start to finish, you know, the the contrast between the, those two games, which are, which Spurs actually approached in a very very similar way, mm. you know, it, it was remarkable how you can really have the same game plan, but it can still be a completely different type of performance. Um, I just think, you know, it it, it just felt really cathartic, mm. that, that result, because things have, have been so rubbish. Um, and I think, you know, uh, one fan kind of put it to me, said, you know, I was expecting that game to be the this, this sort of first shower to, to kind of start washing off the Mourinho stink, but I didn't expect it to kind of, you know, do the whole job. You know, I thought it would, would take a while, but, you know, I think it went quite a long way um, to just really lifting the mood and, and kind of changing the narrative. So, yeah, it, it felt much bigger than a than a normal win for me. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, and I agree with what the fans said. It, it did feel, it felt almost, to nick a word you said, cathartic. It, it felt like, it felt like, it, the performance felt like one, the, the players wanted to say, "Look, we are all together in the in the face of whatever's happened around the club. We are absolutely, um, we are one, and we can." And the other thing was, we can play without Harry Kane because there's been a lot of chat about, or oh, what is this team without Harry Kane? Can they perform without Harry Kane? It was probably the perfect opponent to prove we can play without Harry Kane because arguably. Because uh, <laughs> arguably, just, just right for narrative, it was yeah. just right there. <laughs> um, but yeah, even so, it was it was it was massively incredible. And I, I tweeted after the game, it, and, and something you mentioned, Dan. It's just so good to feel proud of a performance in in that way that you feel like they all just left absolutely everything on the field, and um, uh, probably uh, probably something we have to bring up. I'll stick it in the beautiful. I'll talk about it in a second. Um, so the, uh, talking of Hurricane, that leads us quite nicely onto the ugly section. And there is only really one from yesterday or generally the last couple of weeks of Spurs. And, it, and it's, and it's Hurricane and it's the continued chat of which I'm sure we're all very bored. Are you part of that? Are you bored of it, Sean? Are you bored to death? It's, I'm bored of it because it's like the same kind of update. It's, it's like Kane's waiting for C to make a move and then he just... They're just not making the move. Mm. And then obviously yesterday, like the whole build-up was about it. Jeff Shreves did the interview with Son afterwards. The, the first thing he asked was about how did it feel like to, to do it without Kane? How did how did you feel when the fans were chiming? Are you watching Harry Kane? Mm. Um oh yeah, I'm just I just wanna I wanna focus on like the the players that we do have, the players that do want to be here that deserve our time and attention. Cause I I, I think there's obviously like we're never gonna be like 100% happy with how like the social channels run and stuff but I am kind of happy that Spurs official have ignored Kane returning to training they haven't said they haven't like posted any pictures of him in training they haven't said that he's back or anything they like we're just happy to carry on going without him as if he's in here and that's what I think that's what Nuno said wasn't it mm. and like we got to act as if he's not going to be here and everyone's doing that pretty maturely and we're not letting it get to us 
And I mm. think that's a really important thing. Do you think that the, Jude, have you found the sort of narrative in the last couple of weeks? Because I can't help get, getting over the idea that it somehow feels like Spurs are, are unfairly holding out for the amount they they think Kane is worth, which is just mad. He's he's for me, he's he's there's no no amount of money because we wouldn't be able to replace him. And so that that that's what comes in. I think that's what Daniel Levy said as well. But how have you found the sort of narrative around the Harry Kane chat in the last couple of weeks? Well, that's the thing, isn't it? I think they're said to have put in one bid for 100 million, I think. And that's sort of as, as far as it's gone. And then the uh, the updates have sort of been like, oh, City are willing to make this bid, but nothing concrete's actually been done. So it's very... Um, I don't know, it seems almost like stop-start for something that's just all, always there and, like, you've got various publications just taking the slightest line from a story and running with it and being like, oh, this there's been a big update here when really there's nothing else totally concrete or believable going on. So mm. it's, yeah, it's... I don't, I'm not even sure what the right word is. I was about to say frustrating, but... I don't know. It's just sort of something I look at and think, oh, this is this is still going on. It's tedious, then, isn't it? It's it, yeah, tedious is probably the right word because mm. we're not go- we're not getting anywhere with it at the moment. Mm. Um, yeah, it's very. I was sort of half hoping there might be like a little stadium shot of him at the ground watching it, just sort of at ninety minutes with a really glum look on his face, <laughs> as if like he hadn't won. Uh, Either way, he's he's lost in that one because Spurs were winning. Um, but yeah, it's it's been it's been a strange little little story, and hopefully it's just done Dan, soon. Dan, are you are you bored of reporting on it, or is it still is it still ticking over nicely for you? No, I'm really bored. I was bored of it on day one, and there's, and there's nothing <laughs> as you guys have said. There's there's nothing really new happening. It just seems like this strange waiting game, and um. <sighs> I think I, I've understood it up to this point to an extent. I think maybe, you know, I could understand that the kind of City were slightly um, you know, prisoner to the fixture list in a way. Like, it, it just always felt really unlikely to me that anything would happen before this game. Um, you know, because if, even if City slapped a huge amount of money on the table, which as far as I understand, they haven't, then you know, Spurs would still be in a really awkward position of, you know, even if a deal was too good to turn down. They would not want Harry Kane playing you know, for City yesterday, and they would not have wanted Harry Kane you know, paraded at, at the stadium or you know even on the touchline or, or whatever yesterday. So I always kind of understood that, but yeah, it, I don't get the feeling that it's going to you know suddenly accelerate now that game's out of the way. I, I get the feeling that it's this strange kind of game game of chess that's that's just going to continue with with no one really making a move. Um, yeah, and I increasingly just feel like you know we know City. Have no shortage of money. Yeah. Um, you know, if they really want Harry Kane, um, then make a big bid for him. You know, pay the money. Oh my you, God, this is my decision. That, that's that's kind of all there is to it, um, mm. and it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. And I think you know, with kind of every passing day, and Spurs will will, will just feel um, that they don't have time to to spend that windfall anyway. So um, you know, I, I think it's you know, I've felt for a while that you know, my, my gut feeling was that he would probably stay and you know there's nothing that, that's kind of made me change my mind on that but it's incredibly tedious and it, it would kind of be nice if he 
you know, it'd be nice if, if Nuno made him do sort of 60 minutes in, in Portugal, wouldn't it? <laughs> he's, in the, he's in the squad, right? He's in the squad. Yeah, he's in the, yeah, he's in the squad. Oh, that would be... Yeah, I mean, it, he's, he's, he's apparently sort of preparing to, to play in, in one of the next two games. So, you know, the, the, it, it would... It would kind of change things, I think, to sort of see him out on the pitch. And, you know, um, if, if he was kind of looked fully committed, I think, you know, people could sort of begin to yeah. to forget pretty quickly. We do need, I mean, it's probably got a good one, right? Because there's no travelling fans allowed, right? Am I right? That That's right, yeah. Yeah. The, so. All the qualifiers, there's, there's no away fans. Yeah, so maybe a good place to sort of start bedding him back in with... with uh... With a couple of couple mm, of games against it. <laughs> Costa Ferreira, <laughs> well, City prep prep for their Champions League group. Anyway, <laughs> um, we've done the good, the bad, the ugly, and time for the beautiful. Surely, the the only beautiful that I had in mind was just seeing and hearing the fans back in the stadium, which was honestly, I I was moving house this weekend, so I couldn't I couldn't make it to the game, which was really disappointing, but. I, I, I literally just put the last box in the house and I sat down, turned the game on and I, I genuinely felt quite overwhelmed watching watching everyone back there. It just looked amazing. The sound was amazing. And then when the game kicked off, it carried on, which I think because of various factors, but there's not many games at that stadium that have been rocking so far. They're like You could probably name them and a few of them against City, to be honest. Um, <laughs> so it was amazing hearing it. Dan, what was it like being in it? Yeah, it was great. Um, obviously, the trains were fucked because it wouldn't be <laughs> back without yeah. the trains being fucked. So I cycled and I was just kind of coming up um, the high road. And because the trains were fucked, everyone was just kind of streaming up from Seven Sisters. Um, I just kind of started grinning. It was really nice and kind of sun was out. And it was, yeah, it was very, very pleasant. Um, mm. And then the same again when I kind of got in the ground and you know just before kickoff when all the flags came out and there was the, the kind of raw it was like one of those special nights um at the stadium as you said kind of in line with the, the big well, it was an afternoon in fact but in, in kind of in line with the big champions league nights and then mm. some of the, the kind of best days there i think it definitely has to go down as as one of them and yeah there, there, there were definitely a few moments um you know the, the, the cane chanting you know definitely being one another one where i just was kind of grinning and it was it was really nice to to feel that again and it was incredible how quickly I got used to matches behind closed doors as depressing as it was it was really weird at first and then you do kind of a few months of it and then it really does just become the new normal um so again I think that just contributed to the sense for me that it was just more than a win it, it really added to the sense that this is a kind of new chapter and a new cycle for Spurs. You know, the fans are back, even though actually you know, a lot of the players, the vast majority of the players were, were exactly the same as the old cycle. It, it added to this, this real sense of newness. Um, so yeah, it, it was fantastic. And I think, you know, that that's, that's proper football um, that, that we've all missed and kind of no coincidence that, you know, the, the players really responded to that as well. Mm. Um, and I do think, you know, in common with that kind of weird last couple of rounds in the Premier League, I, I do think you know there's there's a big advantage to um, home teams for the next few weeks because you know that's just such a um, yeah, just such a boost. 
Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't unique to Spurs over the weekend, was it? The noise even at like Watford, Brentford, like the, the noise that was being generated at these Premier League clubs this weekend was unbelievable. And another thing that I wanted to bring up that I wanted to stick in the beautiful was the um was the refereeing this weekend and the VAR calls because what what it created was a much better spectacle, especially in that Spurs game. There were some there were some tackles flying around in the Spurs game, <laughs> mainly from Spurs players, I have to say. Um, but what it led to in every game this weekend was a really, really fluid game of football where those sort of those half fouls that really break up uh, the play just weren't weren't given. Was that something you noticed, Sean? Yeah, definitely. Um, I can't remember thinking that anyone this weekend, like, wow, that is a stinker, or any, even anything close to that. Like, I think it's, I saw a tweet yesterday, something that was like, it was like the effect that fans kind of have on the game, like the refs are a bit more kind of lenient. They want play to go on a bit more, like, because it's not just, like Dan said, like having been to those behind closed doors games, it's, it, it's so kind of soulless. It's so just kind of, it's almost like, like it's all like coding, like in a computer or something. Like it's it's like an action. It's an action. It's an action. It's like it's not. It's, there's no like kind of liveliness to it. There's no kind of character to it. And you kind of add those things back in, and suddenly like the most kind of like basic boring things in in football, which is the refereeing, is like it just feels like it's back in check again. Yeah. Like I think I think the same was true of the Euros. Like when fans were back at the Euros, like I don't think there were any major calls at the Euros which were wrong mm. maybe maybe fans have been the answer the whole time obviously the VR need, VR needs some tweaking itself but yeah I think it was a, it was good when I think I was having a meeting with someone earlier and they were saying how um it's very easy to get onto refs it's mm. very easy to bemoan decisions or say how everyone thinks that the refs are biased against their team that they're not like they're just they've got it in for them but I think be fair that they, there was it was a good weekend for refs. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it was Jamie Carragher who did a, a piece with a couple of refs, and it was really interesting hearing how they were talking about the Euros as like a as like a that's what we should be that's the standard we should be looking at. So hopefully it continues. You know what tends to happen is uh, we start the season and then. Three weeks in, all of those rules have been forgotten and we're back to little touches <laughs> in the back of fouls. Um, the last thing I wanted to chuck in the beautiful was the last minute of the game, the last minute in its entirety, which was Spurs players flying into tackles, keeping the ball, uh, tackles from all over the pit, La Celso diving in, that Davison Sanchez sort of scissor, scissor one against De Bruyne. It was all just... It just felt like a throwback. It felt like watching Premier League years from 2002 and just enjoying the 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 aggression and and the and the the, the allowance of the referee to let it happen, but also not feeling like we're about to concede every two seconds. <laughs> because Sanchez right at the end was in particularly amazing. It was like I haven't seen him pull out pull out a challenge like that for about two or three years mm. and he just, it, it, it just topped off it was like it was really symbolic of what that Spurs performance was it was full-blooded it was it was accurate and spot on and um it was just another moment for the crowd to just go a bit berserk and properly cheer their team mm. 
Yeah, like, it kind of summed up the game the, the last minute. Mm. Um, and Spurs were still kind of counter-attacking as well, although they was they were tempted to go to the corner, you could tell, but there was part of them that were thinking, you know, we can get another one here. So um, that was uh, yeah, really nice and another kind of nice change from, from the sort of last few years where it's just felt like, you know, from about the, the 20th minute in some games, it was kind of, right, we're just trying to see this out now. Um, <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah, no, it, just how high up we were in the 85th minute. I noticed that all of our attackers were two thirds into City's half. I was like, what a beautiful sight to behold. Uh, I saw a lot of people sort of comparing it to the win against City last year. And I was like, it's just not even in the same ballpark, albeit a very bad performance from Manchester City by their standards, I have to say. Mm. Um, is there anything else that people want to stick in the beautiful? I think I think we've talked about him a little bit, but not a lot. I think Nuno mm. for the way that he's kind of handled himself since he came in. Like the first interview, he said that he wants to make our fans proud. He's got off to a really great start there, obviously. Um, I thought when there was a bit on Sky where he came up for the interview and some of the fans were there and they were giving a good reception. Um, he just, I feel like I'm going to really like this guy. I remember, and that was the feeling coming out of Wolves, like from Wolves fans, they were saying that, that like no one had a bad word to say against him, apart from the football towards the end of the times, which wasn't, couldn't really put all down to him. But this is someone that you were going to love. This is someone that you really were willing to do well with you to kind of lead us on this journey. And because it, it's been so hard for him to come to this with the other managers, with the Kane stuff, um, we're still operating in the transfer market. It's not even really his kind of squad yet. But, I think massive credit to come in be, to be here for two months to beat a 900 million pound team in his first game 1-0 like that I think that deserves a real lot of credit yeah I absolutely agree I, was, I also saw that he was um, quite enjoying the <laughs> Odair Esfacere tagline mm. <laughs> he brought it up a few times I was like yeah yeah to dare is to do and, he's like, up, yeah. and we're gonna dare and we're gonna do and I was like well, yeah, keep the people happy then <laughs> <laughs> um all right, guys. Well, I think that's I think that's enough for for now. Um, what we'll do, we'll do another one on Friday to uh, to go over our huge match against uh, our Portuguese opposition and and to look forward and to and also Wolves. Pacos Ferreira. <laughs> very good, very very good. All right, guys. Well, thank you for joining us today. Um, make sure to leave a. Uh, leave a comment and to subscribe if you give us five stars sean will come around your house and give you a massage or something like that um i don't remember (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's in the small print i think (laughs) (laughs) yeah you definitely signed the contract mate i've got it here um right yeah thank you for joining us guys and we'll we'll see you on friday what a feeling what a night Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.